Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The Medical School HQ Podcast, session number 84. Hey, this is Z-Dog MD, rapper, physician, legendary turntable health revolutionary, and part-time gardener. And you're listening to the Medical School HQ Podcast, hosted by the irredeemably awesome Ryan Gray. Hello and welcome back. I'm your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and I believe that competition amongst your pre-med and medical student peers is detrimental to becoming a great physician. In this podcast, we show you how collaboration, hard work, and honesty are critical to becoming a superior physician in today's healthcare environment. Thank you again for joining us. I I think I thank you guys every week for continuing to come back, but I, I still feel it's very special that you guys come and spend an half an hour, an hour with us every week and hopefully every week and listen to what Allison and I or Allison and my guests have to say. So thank you again for being back. Uh, We do want to let you know, go to freemcatgift.com. We got something special there for you all about the MCAT. I have the lovely Miss Allison, Dr. Gray. Hello. Back in the studio, a.k.a. our basement office. (laughs) Yes, I do live here. You do live here, yeah. (laughs) Welcome back to our studio. Hey, thanks. So today, we're going to talk about something that was in the news, and it's not necessarily something pre-med related or medical student related, but I think it's something that has some overarching repercussions in the whole healthcare field if this is something that catches on. And so it'll be interesting. We'll, We'll give you our thoughts on what we read in this article about some legislation that's being passed in Missouri. And we'll talk about uh, our path to becoming physicians and our training and what we think about this. But before we get there, I want to talk about one thing first. Pre-Med Life Magazine. If you haven't checked out Pre-Med Life Magazine yet, go check them out, premedlife.com. They're, they are a bi-monthly magazine for pre-med students and they got a bunch of great editorial um, uh, articles and different a bunch of different stuff in their issues so go check them out premedlife.com they are our partner magazine and we're their partner podcast so we're glad that they support us and we support them so Allison let's let's talk about this article I originally saw it I forget where but it's an article in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. 
the world's renowned St. Louis right. Post-Dispatch. <laughs> no offense, I'd never heard of it. <laughs> yeah, neither have I. Uh, but it talks about some legislation that Missouri is passing that allows, that, that may allow medical students, graduating medical students, so newly minted doctors, MDs or DOs, to go straight into practicing medicine without an internship or without a residency. So talk can can you talk for a minute about historically how the 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 steps that a physician goes through and to to actually practice medicine and sure. how, and, how, and why this is different? Absolutely. So classically a medical student will have 4 years of training. I think it's probably been 4 years for a long long time. It, it, I mean back in the day it was probably much there were, more. There were some 3 year programs. Well, and, and then and 4 really years now back, we're going back to 3 years. Right, or 5 years, but really back in the day it was more of an apprenticeship and so it might have taken any period of time, who knows, but um in the last bunch of years it's been 3 or 4 years and for the most part 4 years still. And so the first two years of medical school, as a lot of you know, are, if, if you're still in that traditional setup, are classroom-based, where you'll do your anatomy, your physiology, your biochemistry. And then your second two years, your third and fourth year, are devoted to time on the wards, where you really learn what it's like to care for patients on the wards. And this might be in the hospital, in the ER setting, in the clinic. And when you're done, when you graduate, uh, you match. Well, actually, before you graduate, you match. And then you find out where you're going to be doing your training. Now, there are some physicians out there who don't actually go and do an internship or residency. They might actually just go directly and start working in consulting jobs. There there Business are other... School. Right. There yeah. are other opportunities, things that physicians do once they have an MD or a DO. But again, speaking classically, at this in this day and age, after you graduate medical school and you match, you move to wherever you're going to be doing your internship. And July 1, or technically, actually, a few days before July 1, you start your internship. Internship is the first year of residency. So it's kind of, it's quite confusing probably for people who are not in the healthcare field because you say you're an intern. Well, what does that mean? An intern means you're in your first year of residency training. And after that intern year, you have uh, somewhere between two and six additional years of residency training. So a residency, a full residency training can be anywhere uh, from three to seven years. Seven years is like neurosurgery, plastics, I think it might be six. Um, Most of them are more in the three, four, five range. And once you're done with that, then there are two routes you can go, routes, routes, One is that you go directly to then becoming an attending physician, which is what I am now, uh, where you are practicing. You're out on your own or in a group practice, a solo practice, an academic setting, whatever it may be, you're, you know, the attending. Uh, Or the alternate route is that before becoming an attending, you do a fellowship. And that fellowship is a way for you to subspecialize or specialize further in a field that um, you sort of you are propelled from from your residency. So, for example, you might do your residency in internal medicine and then do a cardiology fellowship, and then after that fellowship, again, you can then be go on to become an attending. So that sort of encompasses the classic, like the path that that most physicians nowadays will take if they are going into clinical practice. Yeah, and and there are some some barriers that residency breaks down on the way to becoming an attending and 
that is the boards. So to be able to get a full medical license um, in every state, and this is why Missouri is different and they're, they're working this out, in every state you need at least an internship to be able to get a full medical license where you can practice on your own. Right. And and part of that, right, is that the first two steps, step one and step two, and by the way, step two is two parts. Those are all based on education that you develop, that you learn in medical school. Step three, which is that last crucial step, is all based on training that you have during your internship. So how do you get your license without that internship, without that training that, that gives you what you need to know to succeed on step three? Yeah. Or the Comlex. Let's not forget the uh, Correct. The Absolutely. DOCs. I apologize for all you out there who are DOs. I just, because I'm an MD, that's just how I, that's my go-to, but absolutely. So that, that's kind of a, a back history of a traditional path. And let's talk a little bit about what they're actually proposing. So I have this article pulled up, and the, legis- the, the Missouri legislature has approved this measure already. They, this is hot off the press, too. Yeah, right? th- this came out uh, June 23rd, 2014, so just a week ago as we're recording this. And so the legislature already passed this, this ruling that would create a new classification in their state licensure. So typically... Uh, it, like for Massachusetts, where we are, where we did our, our residency training and my internship training, and now where we both practice, they, they have two distinct licenses for physicians. They have a, uh, a trainee license that you have when you're in residency. Right, a limited license. A limited yeah. license, as it's called, yeah. And then when you, when you are out practicing, it's a full medical license. Once you pass that step three or complex three, then you are eligible for that full medical license. And that's what you need to be able to practice on your own. Mm-hmm. And so Missouri is saying, you know what? We need more doctors. And the impetus, it looks like, behind this is the fact that it what was big in the news last March was that a little bit more than 500 people, 500 U.S. students didn't match in the, in the match. And so everybody's up in arms about, well, there's not enough residency spots for all of these students graduating from medical school, and we need doctors, so how do we fix that? And the Missouri legislature said, well, why can't we employ these graduating students who technically are doctors, they have an MD, they have a DO, but traditionally aren't allowed to work yet because they haven't gone through an internship. And so they're looking at adding this, uh, what they're, what they're, I don't know why they came up with this name, the assistant physician classification to their medical license. And so I don't know how confusing that's going to get when you have a, a PA versus an AP, if they're going to keep that name, hopefully not. And, and so, right, or an APMD or APDO. That's, that's true. I didn't even think about adding that extra because they do have that. Right. I'm, a, I'm an MDAP. Yeah, what does, oh my God. Yeah. People have enough trouble understanding <laughs> MDDO and all the other things. That, NPEPA. Oh, yeah. And nurses that are now doctors. It's, you know, it's a very, look, in this day and age, 
and with the shortage of physicians, the and also importantly, and this article points this out too, we're expecting a lot more patients to be seeking medical care because with the Affordable Care Act, there are going to be more people who have insurance coverage. So there, and especially in some of these more rural states that, you know, for years have not, people have not had access to health care, uh, partly because they don't have insurance. So I think I applaud the state for uh, trying to come up with a new idea. Yeah. Our big question is, is it going to work? Yeah. And so let's let's dig in a little bit more about what they're thinking. So they are they define an assistant physician as somebody who is licensed by the state. Board of Healing Arts is what they call it. It's kind of strange. And these assistant physicians would be allowed to practice primary care and prescribe medications in rural and underserved areas of the state. So that was, the, I think, one of the first big red flags that, that went off in my mind is, well, actually, before we get there, the, the biggest red flag, and, and we can talk about our experiences, Allison, when you graduated medical school, were you ready to work on your own? Of course not. <laughs> what, what does medis, medi, why, why not? Why does medical school not teach you how to be a doctor? Well, because that's the key thing. It doesn't. Medical school does not. Newsflash for everyone. It really doesn't. And you'll find this on your own path to becoming a physician, I would imagine. I think if you polled most physicians, they would agree with this statement. Uh, medical school doesn't teach you to be a physician. It doesn't teach you practicing medicine. It teaches you the foundation, the education, the framework for medicine. And certainly it gives you kind of a not a glimpse is not fair. It's more than that. You do have a sub eye. You do have experiences which teach you the beginnings of what it's like to practice medicine. But absolutely. I mean, that training, that residency training is so critical in my mind. Yeah, without a doubt. I can't imagine having gone from graduating medical school and then skipping right to practicing, even with some sort of supervision. I mean, that's it's just such a disconnect in my mind. So go back and, and think about your residency training. And, and the way I thought about this was it, it's a mindset thing for me. As a medical student, I understand my role as a medical student. I know that I will typically have residencies backing me up, of residencies, residents backing me up, and attendings backing them up. And then you get into residency, and each year of residency, you're given more and more responsibility so that at the end of your residency, you are pretty much working as an attending, and you, you have a much longer leash to practice medicine. Yes. And one of the key terms that sticks in my mind from my own training is this concept of graduated supervision that you, as you progress through, just as you said, Ryan, you develop more and more of your own ability to stand on your own two feet and, and be able to lead. It's, it's a sort of, it also teaches you with every step along that path to become a leader more and more. And so, yes, by the time I was in my last year of residency, I was operating as, well, not operating because I don't operate, but I was working as as an attending in some ways, but um, in, in the sense of my knowledge base and 
and my just my my confidence level. So I just think back to my first day of my internship and I was petrified. I mean, I was, you know, I think a lot of us, your first day out, it, it's a very big shift psychologically and and in practice to go from signing your name as MS4, medical student four, <laughs> uh, to then signing your name, stamping it with MD, as in you're the person writing the orders, it's you are the person responsible. Now, of course, you have like you said, residents, fellows, attending, supervising you, supporting you to not have that backup. I agree with you. Backup is a huge part of that kind of buffer initially that makes you feel like, okay, I can do this. I, I have a lot of people supporting me and, and it's okay if I make some mistakes because I have that backup. Yeah. And it's it's not only the confidence knowing that that somebody may catch your mistake and you have all those extra people behind you. It's that they are there. Yes. They are there for you to bounce ideas off of, for you to go to them with your thoughts and say, hey, we got this new patient in. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking about adding this medication, removing this one. What do you think? And and this, I'll, I'll go back to this red flag of practicing medicine in a, a rural and underserved areas of the state. Now, underserved could could be the middle of a city, so that's a little bit different. But a rural area will, in my mind, th- that is like that old movie Doc Hollywood. There's there's a single physician within a couple hundred mile radius, and you are that person. Right. No backup. Probably not a lot of specialty care for you to refer people out to. Mm-hmm. Probably patients that are maybe a little bit sicker than a a quote unquote typical patient because it is a rural area and they lack that good quality access to healthcare. So they probably have very uncontrolled diabetes. They may have very uncontrolled hypertension, high cholesterol, sleep apnea, whatever it may be. And so as a newly minted doctor, you're going out to a rural area without much supervision. And we can talk about the supervision that they're, they're talking about. And you're practicing medicine with sick patients. And to me, that's a disservice to the patient. I think so too. Part of how we learn as physicians is by being around other physicians. And so if you're going to go out there, not only without really any framework to understand the practice of, of actually how to be a physician, and then you also are not surrounded by anybody to bounce ideas off of and to learn from and just to learn from their experience, it just seems like a very scary thing. Um, and you know, also Ryan, one of the other big things that sticks out in my mind that, that is so crucial about residency training is repetition. I remember someone telling me, I think I was, uh, walking down the halls of, of MGH with, um, one of my co-residents at one time. And we were talking with one of our senior residents about, oh my goodness, we have so many admissions and we're just so, we're slammed. And we were just really, I think, kind of uh, struggling because we were exhausted and we had all these admissions to do. And he said, look, he said, the way that you learn to do this is volume. You learn by repetition. And he was absolutely right. The, I, you know, by seeing hundreds and hundreds of stroke patients, by seeing so many people come through the door with a certain set of symptoms, a certain pattern. It's pattern recognition that you learn. And repetition is what drives 
the the knowledge into your your head into your core so that you you just don't forget it so that it becomes just not automatic but it just becomes you know crystal clear in your head and and then you just learn and develop and build on that so to again to not have that repetition or to have that repetition occur for the first time as you're going out there on your own with you and maybe one other physician you know 200 miles away from you it's I think it's going to be really scary for these new folks. Yeah. There's a there's a book written by Malcolm Gladwell called Outliers, and it talks about this 10,000-hour rule. And Malcolm Gladwell, who's a, a world-renowned writer, talks about how if you want to become great, like the person in any specific field then you need to practice that craft for 10,000 hours. And I just did some quick math. I was just going to ask you, what's the math on that? (laughs) Yeah, I did some quick math. If a a typical resident will work 80 hours a week, unfortunately, Um, if if we do that 80-hour max, so we'll do 80 hours a week, there's 26 weeks. Actually, there's... Why did I think that? I don't know, 52. <laughs> yeah, and I was thinking pay periods. So there's 52 weeks. Actually, that that totally changes all my math. So there's 80 hours in a week times 52 weeks a year. That's 4,000 hours, 4,160 specifically, hours a year that a resident gets. And how interesting then that residencies are a minimum of three years, which yeah. gives you about 12,000 hours. 12,000 hours. There you go. Malcolm Gladwell, he was just yeah. looking at how residency works. <laughs> and so let's let's extend that to a newly graduated physician who goes out and works, let's say, 40 hours. And you know, we should use that amount of time because remember, we are talking primary care. And so it's not fair to say, well, some residents get seven years of training. If you're if you're going to be practicing in primary care, that's a three-year residency. Three hours. Because uh, if you're doing family practice or if you're doing internal medicine and then going into primary care, that's, that's three years. Yep. And so... Three years, roughly twelve thousand hours. It's it's probably it's right, probably right around the ten thousand hours when you work in vacation time and days off and other stuff. A physician coming out of a three year residency will have about ten thousand hours of experience, and therefore, kind of fits this outliers Malcolm Gladwell philosophy of of being able to master that subject. A physician just graduating medical school starting practice without a residency training will have to work five years to reach that same level of of hours and training that 10,000 hour rule so (laughs) when you think about it that way it's like well those five years to get to that point what what is I I don't want to say the carnage but what does that trail of patience look like and, and and I'm obviously going to the extremes here, but that's just no. But I agree with you. I think I, I all these things keep keep coming out in my mind. Other things, key things that residency teaches you and provides for you that you just don't get elsewhere. I mean, mentorship, um, mm-hmm. learning different styles. We'll talk in a minute about the supervision that we keep alluding to that they're going to be talking that they're they're suggesting with this model we'll but talk about it okay we'll talk about it now their their plan is to have a a practicing physician be supervising this assistant physician for a month 
one a, month. A single month. A single month. And I think they have to be on site all the time. Mm-hmm. And wow, one month. So I can tell you as a practicing attending physician now, I've been in practice now out of my own, um, not on my own, I work in a group practice, but I've been out as an attending for a year. And there are still things constantly that I'm learning and new ways of, of doing things and, and tweaking things. But I think it took me a bunch of months to really feel like, okay, spread my wings. You know, I can do this. And at the very beginning, when I was first out in practices and attending, I was going to my mentor who hired me all the time to ask him questions. And that's having had a full residency training in my field. You, you can't, maybe there are some physicians out there who just go and kind of do their thing and, and see what works and what doesn't. But I think if you have the best interest of the patient at heart and you're trying to learn and, and see what works and give the best possible care you can, then you're going to be constantly questioning and asking and, and figuring out how do I do this? Uh, it's, and, and there's a shift that happens too from going from inpatient care in the hospital to outpatient care in practice. So to go from medical school, the halls and walls of medical school to then out in the middle of a rural area, that's such a huge shift too. How in with one month are you going to have enough mentorship and, and skill building and, and training to have any clue what you're going to do for those, what, four years and 11 months <laughs> that you need to build up those, those 10,000? It's when you when you break this down with this math, it just gets more scary to me. Yeah. Both for the the person, you know, both for these assistant physicians who are yet to be uh, named, and for the patients. Um, I don't know, Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> Calling out Missouri. Sorry, Missouri. Missouri produces great things. I mean, you know. No. Right. But that's yeah. That's, so let's mm-hmm. let's talk about what are are known as healthcare extenders. Physician assistants, not not to be confused with assistant physicians, and and that was confusing too. If if you're an assistant physician, typically you're assisting a physician. So if you're a physician assisting another physician, and but there's no other physician on site, how are you an assistant physician? You should be just an assistant. Yeah, I mean, it's, a it's almost <laughs> like a different word for as a, a tongue twister. Yeah, it's almost like a different word for apprentice or something. But yeah, to, I mean, to be in what's the the person that advises the apprentice? like the master or something right something these, like these people are like going to be basically an apprentice without a master after a month <laughs> yep so let's talk about pas and mps and and why can't a pa fill this role or an np fill this role this is kind of what they are made for almost just the the difference would be that they're lacking that clinical oversight that typically their their license allows them to work under. So you're suggesting that basically a PA or NP serve this role, but without any supervision, kind of. So they, it would be you would need some remote supervision. So I, I remember a time when I went and saw a dermatologist, and it was a PA that I saw, and the MD who this PA worked under, because as a PA you have to work under a physician's license. The MD ran a totally different clinic in a totally different part of the state. And talking to the this PA about it, because I was an MD at the time, and asking him the logistics of it, he said, yeah, he, he co-signs all my notes and he'll come down to this practice once a week and and do X, Y, and Z with me. 
So that was the oversight that had been worked out, and apparently that was kosher with the laws of that state. So why, I'm wondering why can't that be instituted here as yeah, well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think in some ways that's a safer bet. That's, um, PAs have, we looked this up recently just to clarify, but they have two years, did we say, of school? It's roughly about 27, 28 hours, depending on the school. It's, it's typically about a year of classroom stuff. And then a year of clinical training. And then a so, year plus of clinical training. Right. So if you compare that to to medical school, it's four years of medical school versus That's really. Half. Yeah. So, but, but, but really. They're, they're, they're training for a different role. Right. They're training for a different role. And, and I think the key thing that you just mentioned is they're getting ongoing supervision. So my question is, why are they so quick to be, to be saying to these assistant physicians, okay, here's your mentor. Here's your supervision. Okay, bye. why is it only a month if if pas and nps get ongoing supervision okay i get it because maybe that assistant physician has md or do at the end of their name so maybe they're saying well okay fine they don't they don't need it but really that's what we're saying yes they do and actually i think nps can practice typically on their own yeah i think well they're different than pas but i think they still i know from nps that i work with they still have to practice under a physician's license okay every Um, state might be a little bit yeah very true states um like massachusetts is a pretty strict state um so that may vary and also i mean if you know like we've talked about before some states only require you to have one year we haven't even talked about that yet one year of internship before going out and practice and maybe actually, Ryan, since I just segued into that, y- you know, you've had a different experience than me because you did a year of internship and then went directly into practice. Yeah. But you also have you've been taking care of a kind of a different population. Yeah. So what I do you take th- care of a healthy population? Right. So what do you think about that? I mean, so I've had one year of quote unquote residency training with my internship and then I was pulled to be a flight surgeon and a practicing, attending, quote-unquote, physician taking care of patients on my own. And... No quotes about it. Uh, no quotes. Yeah. <laughs> you have been. Yeah. Uh, my patient population is healthy, relatively. I, I take care of pilots, and it, where I was stationed before, I took care of their family, so maybe not a healthy population with their family. Uh, so it was a little bit different. But again, I'm surrounded by other physicians. And you also had some supervision, I remember, um, in yeah, your first for a year, while. Your, yeah, your first assignment. Yeah. yeah. They they review all your records and blah, 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 blah. But anyway, yeah. I and again, everybody's going to be different. But for that role, I felt comfortable having just had the one year of internship for the type of people that I'm seeing and treating. Right. Uh and what Allison just mentioned, not every state will let you practice medicine with just one year of internship. So the state that we currently live in, Massachusetts, you have to have a full residency behind you, at least three years of training post-medical school to actually get a full license and practice in this state. Right. So the fact that you practice in the state because you're in the military, so it's a different situation. Correct. But yeah, so... I, like, I can't imagine that this same role could go into practice in Massachusetts because how could they design that when they don't even allow physicians to practice? It, it, it How would that work, right? Yeah, could be interesting. That's what makes all of this hard, too, that we're one United States, but every state is different. <laughs> could it be more complicated? 
Um, I just think about like countries like Germany where, you know, stroke care is so much more um, s- sort of straight line, streamlined, streamlined um, because everything is centralized. There are a whole bunch of hospitals, but they're all the same system. It's one country. It's not like it differs. I mean, maybe it differs by province or something like that, but it's just it's I don't know. We have a lot of challenges in the United States. And, and again, I think Missouri is thinking outside the box. People are going to have to come up with some new ideas because we do have a physician shortage. It's only going to get worse. We're going to have less, you know, or I guess not less and less people matching, but more and more people who need residency spots that don't get them because we're not creating more residency spots. Um, And meanwhile, we're going to have a lot more people who are seeking medical care because they have insurance. So something's got to give. I just don't feel that this solution is really in the benefit of the patient or the healthcare provider because it doesn't, it doesn't uh, sort of make a safe situation for anybody. Yeah. And and where's that learning going to happen, honestly? Is it going to happen when that person makes mistake after mistake and then the state realizes, oops, everybody's getting sued. This yeah. is not working. You're going to get a flood of malpractice lawyers yeah. to the state of Missouri. That's not good. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts on this, Allison? Um, no, I mean, I think just, you know, the, the role of, of NPs and PAs, I think... It's great that, you know, there's that there's that team. And, and that's I guess that's my final thought, Ryan. There, one of the things about medicine that, that does make medicine great and makes medicine work well uh, is still this team concept that we always talk about. And I think that that's also what we've talked about on both sides of the coin is missing in this new model they're talking about. And maybe that's what they have to realize that. And that's what not that I'm some all knowing person here, but that's my thought on it, that they need to work some type of team into that solution. If that's what they're going to go with, if they're going to go with an assistant physician, they need a team around that person to help, to help that person, to help their patients, because really to go it alone after you get your diploma and you get a month of supervision and then you kind of good luck to you. I, that team is lacking. And I think that's the, you know, that, that support network and and that ability for the physician also to keep learning is going to be missing. So maybe they can build on it, but not, pass it the way it is. I think the gover- government the governor um, has to now approve it or veto it. That's the next step in all this. Mm. So maybe we should write him an email. <laughs> Tell him to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Those are my final thoughts. What are your thoughts on this? If you're listening to this and you have any strong thoughts either for or against or disagree or agree with what we're, what we're saying, go to medicalschoolhq.net slash eight four. That's our dedicated show notes page specifically for this episode where you can leave a comment and tell us what you think. I, I'll be interested to see what people think about this. If, if they're excited to finish school and get out and actually practice because that's what we all kind of go into school wanting to do um, or if they're scared or, or what, it'd be interesting. If there's any lawyers listening to this, what do you guys think of it? <sighs> that'd, that'd be interesting. All right. Allison, how can people email us? They can email us directly uh, by emailing at, so Allison at medicalschoolhq.net or Ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. See, I know our emails very well. I just don't know our Twitter handles. (laughs) Wait, I do. You can also find us on Twitter at at medicalschoolhq for Ryan or at Allison. Underscore. Underscore. MSHQ. MSHQ. See, I did. She'll never read I'm your sorry. Tweet. This is such an old joke. I really just need to get on the Twitter. <laughs> on the Twitter. Did you just say the Twitter? <laughs> wow. 
Sorry, folks. Anyway, that's awesome. All right, so I very interesting topic. Brought up a lot of mixed feelings when I read it, so I hope I hope uh, we were able to kind of express our thoughts and, and get some dialogue going. I, I think what Allison talked about is correct. Missouri is thinking outside the box, and that needs to happen. I think as as you progress through your pre-med career, as you progress through your medical student career, and as a resident, and, and later on as a physician, don't accept the status quo for what it is. Always be thinking outside the box on how to make things better. Always. Constant process improvement, constant anything improvement should be at the forefront of your mind. Don't accept just because that's the way we've always done it is is the reason why we do it. And so I think that's an important thing to to think and maybe the good take-home message here is, is it's okay to think outside the box like Missouri's doing, but they just did it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Change is coming, so yeah. yeah. Change is okay. All right. I hope you got a lot of great information out of this today. And as always, I hope you join us next time here at the Medical School Headquarters. And don't forget to go to freemcatgift.com and download that free report today.